City Church podcast. New City is a church in Bath, Maine that exists to make disciples, develop leaders, and plant churches that multiply. This week, Pastor Joel Littlefield is preaching a special Father's Day message called Act Like Men, and the scripture this week is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. We hope you are blessed by the message today. All right, the microphone's working. Everybody, awesome. Really, really glad to be here and good to have you all here. Happy Father's Day again. Uh, you've all heard it many times from this stage, and uh, we really mean it. Happy Father's Day. And uh, so I want to start with, before we get into the Word, I do have a really, really great announcement. Um, the elders decided uh, this past week on something that we've been praying about, and uh, it's, it's an issue that concerns uh, everybody here. So, um, so... You ready? What is it? <laughs> so everybody knows that we've been, um, you know, this building sold to uh, some new owners a few months ago. It's now owned by Bath Housing, which put a time limit on our existence in this room um, of maximum two years. We signed a one-year lease. But anyway, that's caused us to be looking and praying, Lord, where do you want us? Where are we going to be uh, in the next year or two? And uh, so God orchestrated something incredible that we've been praying about, and that is that uh, another local church, Topsom Baptist Church, which is pastored by uh, a brother named Michael Britt. Some of you may know him. He's a wonderful brother in the Lord. Um, God's done an amazing thing in that church um, and has really transformed it. So if you, if you know that name in that church and you think, well, wait a minute, they're not anything like us. Um, well, God has done an amazing thing in that church to bring it from a KJV-only, very cult-like uh, mentality to um, a pretty healthy mindset. And uh, well, anyway, they, they have a building that they own. It's completely paid off in Topsom. So the idea was mentioned that we pray and consider about our two churches coming together. They have a smaller congregation, a um, little bit of an older median age, and, uh, but we have done just that. We've been praying. Our elders have been meeting together, and God has been at least beginning to knit our hearts together with their leaders, and so we are seeking the Lord about that, and what we kind of voted on last week is just a kind of a soft yes. Yes, we're going to pursue this. We don't have all the pieces in place. We still need God to do uh, various things to line this all up, and I'm sure, and we welcome questions from the members here. If you have thoughts or concerns, and you're like, well, what about this, and what does it mean for that? That's the kind of stuff we want to be able to communicate with you about. Obviously, we won't have an open forum here and do that, because we need time to get into the Word, but... Keep praying, you guys. And I think um, amongst the elders and against, uh, amongst Michael, um, the thought is very hopeful. I'm very, very excited. And the elders are also really excited about this prospect. And uh, so that's, that's it. That's a, it's a great, <laughs> I see a lot of like question marks like sitting over your heads. Just like, uh, what does that mean? Will we be New City Church? Yes, we would still be New City Church. Um, and th- I think that... Uh, I think it's, an, it's a great thing. So questions are welcomed. Find us after the service if you want. If you want to write us a letter or a, a book, um, one or, whichever you prefer, we'll, we'll, we'll take it, and we're happy to talk with you guys about it. But please keep that in prayer. Obviously, it's a big move that involves everybody here. Um, people driving from certain places are thinking, wait, Topsom, that's 10 minutes further than where I'm currently driving from. So all those things we're, we're praying about and uh, considering all of that stuff. So. That's it. Any objections? No, 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 no. I'm not. We're not. (laughs) 
We take no objections. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's, let's get into the Word together, guys. Um, I, I wanted to get that out of the way first. Um, some of you guys, you acted surprised, thankfully, because apparently two city groups already heard that announcement. Uh, Isaac and I couldn't wait, apparently. So, But good, good job acting surprised for those who are in our, my group and Isaac's group. So, <laughs> And for the rest, you guys are, it's a vault. You just, you're, you can keep secrets. That's good. <laughs> All right, so turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we're going to get into the text today. It's a short text that's going to really kind of launch us into the sermon, and as promised um, from last Mother's Day, this past Mother's Day, I preached a message on biblical womanhood and motherhood, and I had mentioned at that time that we will do uh, the sequel or the second part to that series and preach on biblical manhood and fatherhood on Father's Day, and so that's what is happening today. Next week, we will be back in Daniel. Uh, our Pastor John will be preaching Daniel chapter 8, so I'll come back for that, but <clears throat> Father's Day message for you. The title of the message is Act Like Men. Act Like Men. Only two short verses, 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. The Word of God says this, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. You pray with me, please. Father in heaven, we are in desperate need of you once again. As the Bible is opened and as the Word of God is preached, we need you ultimately to teach our hearts what it needs to hear. And I pray for humility for every person in this room. I pray for humility, especially for the men, for the fathers, for the young boys. Pray for families and marriages and all that makes biblical manhood and fatherhood so crucial for our culture and our society most of which is the fact that you have called men to be men and you've set the example ultimately of what it is to be a good father. So God, lead us today. Speak to us, point us to Jesus, remind us of the truth that we need to hear, God. I pray that you would push out of our hearts by your grace and by your love all that is false, all that the world has taught and is so fiercely teaching and preaching to devour the, the minds of men and women and young people today. All that is false, God, push it out and bring us to the truth today. We love you. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you for being a good father to us. Thank you for your word today. We commit ourselves to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is a Father's Day message, so most of my focus will be on the male humans in the room. But ladies, don't tune out. There is much for you to pray about, to affirm that you hear in Scripture today, and to rejoice in as you think about the truth of God's Word. So though this will be directed mostly, mostly to men, this is certainly applicable to every follower of Jesus, every human, every soul called to surrender to these truths. So, so much for you to to think about, ladies. The passage before us that we've read is a very interesting one, and we're really going to spend all of our time in that short section. We'll launch off into a couple different areas as well, but we'll really try to receive it for all that it's worth in the next 45 minutes or so. 
So brothers, men, boys, male humans, listen. Listen up. Sit up straight. Tune in. Don't let this tune out of your ears. Enter into the battleground. Take heed to what is being said today because the warfare is real and God has called you. God has called you. For the sake of context, let me just remind you that this is Paul's closing thoughts to the church in Corinth. Here we are at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. There is a context to all of this, and this is his final words to that church. This church was known for its immaturity. This church was known for immaturity and for apathy and all sorts of things. And so let me just remind you, name a few issues that if you've read the book of Corinthians, you may know already some of these things. But this is what Paul has been addressing. There have been divisions in the body over various teachers in the church, dividing over who is their favorite. It's fairly immature. They were tolerating incest relationships within the church. That's a problem. Christians were suing one another instead of handling their matters biblically within the church. Another pretty big deal. Some did not know how to control their bodies and excused sexual immorality in the church. These are some of the behaviors. Now, this just is the tip of the iceberg, but this is some of what's going on in the church of Corinth. These are serious issues, all of which Paul addressed with the gospel. And that's the amazing thing about the book of Corinth, Corinthians, is all these problems and issues that we see in the church, they, they in fact can sort of be a snapshot of the reality of Christianity. That we're all battling, we're all fighting against the flesh, and we need to war against the flesh. But we need teachers. We need the Word of God. We need the gospel. And then he comes to this final greeting, which is that he has a greeting at the beginning, and then he closes with a greeting. And he's usually naming some people and talking and saying farewell, and I'm coming to you soon, and these sorts of things. So he comes to the end, to this final greeting, to this messy church family, and it's a greeting that he says he writes with his own hands. Paul says, I write to you with my own hands. And he gives this final exhortation, and within it we see these three words, act like men. Act like men. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Now this very idea is under attack. This very idea of manhood is under attack. What does it even mean to be a man, let alone to act like one? So the first point I want to share with you is this. The scriptures are not afraid of stereotyping biblical manhood with traits that are distinct and different from womanhood. The Bible is not afraid of stereotypes, generalizations. Men should act like this. Women should act like this in general. The Bible isn't afraid of that. God's word, and certainly God, does not steer away from that. So we, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we can follow what God's word leads us in, and we don't have to be afraid of that either. In an exhortation to the entire church which is what Corinth was made up of, both men and women, Paul uses a specific idea of masculinity to set the bar for that church. So, of course, this has been attacked by by many, right? This text itself, because he is addressing men and women. But he uses this very specific idea of masculinity to set the bar. And he's not sexist. He's Biblical. He sees the distinction in God's design as something good. So as he's instructing the church, he finds no issue with saying, church, act like men. Now we're going to talk more about that, and this will hopefully become clear. The phrase he uses could be rendered, be courageous like a man. Be courageous like a man. Now can women be courageous? 
Oh, there's no question about it. Women can be courageous. Should Christian women be courageous? Yes, this is not just a call for men to be courageous. Women should be courageous as well, and they are and they, in, in many, many ways. But Paul instructs the whole church to do so by saying specifically, be brave like a man. Be courageous like a man. It's like saying the word man up. In a, in a way, that's what Paul is saying is man up or suck it up. You ever heard that? You ever been told that? You probably needed to hear it. A lot of times those come at the right time where we really need to. Someone that's, uh, you know, standing 35 feet up at the edge of a rock quarry looking down and all the kids are, are behind them waiting in line for their turn and the dude won't jump. So the guy that's next says, dude, suck it up. You're holding up the line. Jump. Man up. Now, I'm not advocating for shaming people in moments of fear. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. There's obviously a right way to do that and a good context for that. But do you know how many boys have learned in part some important manhood necessities by choking down fear in those moments? Learning to control it and then taking a risk for the sake of something great. In those moments. That, now that's really cool. That's really awesome. That's needed. That's what, a lot, that's what young boys need to hear. That's what we need men to do today for the sake of Christ and for the sake of their families. We need men to men up for the greater good, for the things that will happen if you control the fear and suppress the fear and look to Christ. But I'm really not concerned with how many men and fathers have done a cannonball from 35 feet. The Bible's interest is in men who live up to their created purpose. That's what the Bible's interested in. That's what God is interested in, is men who live up to what they were created to do. We can also notice in Paul's exhortation that he calls them to act like men. So just as you're looking at this short phrase, we're just going to squeeze this verse for all it's worth, okay? So we're, we're looking at this exhortation. Watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Paul's exhortation is that he calls them to act like men, but not just Males. He doesn't say act like males. He's talking about a level of maturity. That there are males who are boys and males who are men. And there are distinctions between boyhood and manhood. And so he says to that church, don't act like boys. He says, act like men. And that's also a very specific thing. Now, boyhood is necessary and is good for a time. But when you look at what the church is called to engage in, the warfare, the fending off of wolves, the standing up against evil, the protection of the weak and the vulnerable, the steadiness and resilience in sound doctrine, these things that we're called to, it would be ridiculous to say, all right, church, let's act like boys now. It would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? We understand that there's a difference between acting like boys and acting like men. The church needs spiritually responsible men to set the example, not immature boys. The church needs spiritually responsible men to set the example, not immature boys. The culture needs to hear this. The church needs to hear this. We need to hear this. There are males in the adult age category who act like boys in their embrace of spiritual immaturity and apathy and laziness. 
One of Henley's bedtime stories, Henley's my, my nine-year-old daughter, one of her bedtime stories was making this case when I was reading to her the other night. Little Tommy was being lazy. I love stories that address these things. <laughs> so his mom decided to give him a taste of his own medicine. She wouldn't clean or cook or wake him up in time for school because she was too tired. She turned the, his medicine back on himself or she was too busy to, be res- to do the responsible things as he would often say. And in his frustration, it finally clicked and he began to help out around the house. Great moral story. This is the attitude of a boy though. Uh, I can't do this. I'm too tired. There's too much going on. I want my toys. I want my things. This is not an attitude of a man. So when you see a man acting like that, you think, stop it. You think, grow up. Act like a man. And there's nothing to apologize for in that statement. There's nothing, though, the world will tell you. And if you have been indoctrinated by any level of secular society or secular school or government school, you will have something in your body that, er, I've been told not to like that. So we return to the scriptures, the scriptures, God's word, God, his idea of humanity. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in the statement, act like a man. Nothing at all. Paul makes this distinction to the church in Corinth by calling them from their immature embrace of sin and apathy to be watchful, standing firm, and being courageous like men. Again, it's the, it's the call to the entire church. Again, this, the bar is act like men. A couple other places this distinction between boy and man is used, and I think it would be helpful for us to look at these examples. Go over and turn to 1 Corinthians 13, same book, a couple chapters earlier. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11 and 12. Earlier in Paul's letter, he uses a, a similar contrast to talk about the partial and the complete in relation to our knowledge of God. How we know him now is not what it will be when we see him face to face. Watch how he makes this point in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even I, as I have been fully known. So there's some intentionality in there that Paul is using to make this point. It's, it's reasonable to think about a child thinking, speaking, and dealing with life in childish ways. And so he says that when I was a child, I acted like a child. That's normal. We don't rebuke children for acting like children, although we do, don't we? Quit being so childish, you child. <laughs> and we, then we go, wait a minute. Uh, and we're, it's a journey, right? Parents, we're... Uh, we're figuring this out still. We need God so desperately. <laughs> but it's normal for children to be childish. But he says, but when he became a man, Paul says when he became a man, he gave up childish ways. There was a distinction. There was an intentionality, a moment behind that. And this is what he's using to make the point. One commentator said it this way. Paul, he was no Peter Pan refusing to grow up. He exercised the functions of adulthood with determination. He put childish ways behind him. He put childish ways behind him. Another place we see this is in Luke chapter 2, another really famous story. When Jesus, as a young boy in the care of his parents, is on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for one of the feast days, Mary and Joseph leave to head home. You guys remember this story, but they lost track of Jesus, and when they finally found him, he was teaching in the temple at 12 years old, 
teaching in the temple. They finally find him. In their frustration, they say something like, why would you do this to us, Jesus? And in the very famous reply, Luke chapter 2, verse 49, Jesus replies these famous words, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Or as another translation puts it, did you not know that I would be about my father's business? At 12 years old, did you not know that this is what my life is about? To be about my father's business? Is that not a statement of manhood? That my duty as a a man of God, and Jesus setting the example even at 12, that my business is to do what my father has for me to do. Scripture says that they pondered these things, Mary and Joseph, and they didn't quite understand them fully, so they went home, and then the next, cha- next chapter closes with these words, or the chapter closes with these words, Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in man- with man. The Jesus, the boy Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus from there increased in wisdom. He be- continued to grow in his father's Business, and I don't mean the wood shop. I mean his father's business, not Joseph, his father in heaven. At 12 years old, Jesus showed great maturity by his obedience to the will of his father. He knew what his business was to be. And what marked his life from boyhood to manhood was his continual growth in wisdom and in the grace of God. Now, Jesus may have never sinned, But there were no doubt certain boyhood immaturities about him. There's nothing in Scripture that tells us that Jesus didn't distinctly act like a boy when he was a boy. And that he, when he became a man at 12, as a Jewish boy, he put away certain things that were childish, not sinful, but childish. There's no reason to think that Jesus, the human boy, didn't act like a boy. Playful, running around, skinning up his knees, climbing trees. And when his parents said, hey, come in for dinner, he just did it. (laughs) Right? No sin, no disobedience, but childhood was still something that Jesus went through. Kind of an awesome thing to think about, isn't it? Don't compare your children to Jesus, okay? Just don't do it. Another charge I want to make to you is this. Men, make it your business to put away what is childish in you. Make it your business to put away what is childish in you to be about the business of God, always growing in wisdom and the grace of God. Always growing in wisdom and in the grace of God. Now I want to press a little further into the text in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. You can turn back there. We're going to just camp there a little bit longer. We've considered the phrase, act like men. And we can understand Paul's clear and ultimate intention is to set the eyes of all believers on Christian maturity, on growth, and on Christ-likeness. That is our aim. Every person here, every man and woman who professes the name of Christ, every child who professes the name of Christ, that is your goal, is Christ-likeness. But he's choosing to do so by unapologetically placing men of God on a pedestal. Not to be worshipped and praised. See, that's wrong. Men should not be worshipped and praised in that way. But Paul does something here to set them up as leaders and examples. And that is ultimately what marks a biblical man. Someone who sets the example and a leader who points people to Christ. When Christian men fail at this, what happens? 
families and societies and whole cultures suffer. And we indeed are seeing this, are we not? We look around us and we see. And sometimes it's, it's more evident in front of our faces. But we need men in our society to step up to the plate and act like men and be men of God. This can change. It can change by the power of God. By God's power, this can change. Cultures can change. Societies can change. Our community can change. I want you to just envision with me. I love setting vision. If every single man in this room had the same vigor for the glory of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, what would happen in our communities? And when I say the same, I don't mean the same down here. I mean the same vigor, the same seriousness about Christ and his word and leading your families and pointing them to Jesus and fending off wolves and being a man of good doctrine, loving the scriptures, loving Jesus, knowing the gospel, sharing the gospel, defending the weak. And you set the example What would happen in our community if just a church of this size, if every man made it their mission to do that very thing? Let me look at these other phrases Paul used surrounding this idea of being a man. I think this sort of all encapsulates it, this idea of what does it mean to act like a man. And he says this, be watchful. That was the very first part of verse 13. Be watchful. Think about that for a moment. As a man, fathers, men, boys, What does it mean to be watchful? This carries the tone of an alertness in battle. Not allowing a sudden calamity to catch you off guard because you're being watchful. This takes more than just not sleeping. To be a man is to be watchful, putting an asserted effort into being spiritually awake. So it's not enough to just not sleep. It's an asserted effort to be awake. It's an asserted effort. So ask yourself, am I that? Am I that kind of a man? Am I, am I making asserted, asserted effort into being spiritually awake so that I'm being watchful over my family so that a sudden calamity does not take me off guard because I'm being watchful? Jesus said something very similar to his own disciples. He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you remember that moment. They're praying together. Jesus is right before. He's in his agony in the garden, and his disciples fall asleep. And he says to them, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 26, 41. Another text, 1 Peter 5, 8. Very similar Tone, be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. We need to be watchful, because the enemy will devour, and he will seek to devour. So we're called to be watchful. Of course, this applies to all of Christianity, but again, Paul's saying, church, act like men. Be watchful. So men need to set the bar in this. You need to lead the charge in this. Be the example in this. Men, you need to be watchful for the sake of your own souls. So that you can lead those around you that you love. Your wife, your children need you to be watchful. 
Your wife and children need you to be watchful. So if you're not being watchful spiritually, you might say, well, I can protect my home very well, but are you protecting your soul? Are you guarding your heart against sin, or have you fallen into apathy? So be watchful over your own souls, your wife and your children, your community, but let alone God the Father has called you to this. This is your purpose. This is our purpose. Be watchful of the enemy, the prowling lion. Be watchful of temptation to sin, for it is creeping at the door, and its desire is to have you, James says. Its desire is for you. So stay awake. Be watchful of spiritual laziness. The cool thing is, is men are actually wired for watchfulness. A man can sit in a restaurant with his family thinking about 14 unique ways to defend the entire place. (laughs) And using only items found at their table. (laughs) Napkin, (laughs) fork, knife, toothpick. That's all I got. Menu. But these very same men can at the very same moment let their entire spiritual lives slip away into apathy while Satan robs them blind. You were created for watchfulness. It's created, it's, it's in the fiber of your, of your being as a man. And yet, yet, you let that be your very measure. Am I using my watchfulness and what God has created for me as a man? And am I using that for the most important things? To guard my soul, to be a man of God, to be a man of the word, How many Christian men are seeking the Lord about 14 different ways to grow, to pray over their families, to challenge their children spiritually, to preach the gospel to their own hearts and to the dying world around them? How how many of us are being creative about how we guard our very souls and using any means that we can to do so? Young boys from the beginning are built to dream about watchfulness, about protection, conquering darkness. This is good and it is godly. If you're a young man here today, know that God has designed you for this not to be used selfishly. And see, that is where the line needs to be drawn. You were designed for this, but it's not to be used selfishly. It's to be used for the good of others and for his kingdom. Again, these are generalizations. I understand that. These are generalizations. But generalizations in the scripture and in the world that even nature itself teaches us shows us that there's something about the order with which God has created around us. Generalizations teach us something. And in general, this is the case for men because God has created men with distinct differences that we are to glorify God in. And it is sin to go against God's order and design for manhood. It is sin to go against God's design. Next, I want to look at strength. Paul says, be strong. He says, be watchful. Then he says, be strong. There is a reason why God created men to be stronger in general than women. Again, generalizations, right? Men on average have thicker skin by about 25%. I didn't know that. I had to look it up. I don't don't know these things. You know, but that's a pretty big percentage. Like, what? Why? Why? In general, 25% thicker skin. Because we're stupid, too. Like, we do stupid things and we cut ourselves when we shouldn't, right? Just sharpening a knife. You know, it's, these, these things happen. We need thicker skin. Bigger muscles on average. On average, and in general, are taller. In general, okay? In general. 
while women show greater levels of natural affection. Now, I don't see any men going, oh, I have natural affection too, right? It's funny, you know, general, in general, <laughs> in general, women have display beautifully natural affection, compassion, tenderness, empathy, and care. Keep in mind that Scripture does not say that women are weak. Scripture doesn't teach that women are weak. Scripture teaches that women are created as the weaker vessel of the two genders which God has created. That is very, very important. Someone might try to peg this against you that the Bible is sexist and the Bible says that men are strong and women are weak. That's not what it teaches. That's taking it out of context. It's saying that women are the weaker vessel and that is clear, is it not, in nature. And so we are to think, okay, God, why did you design us this way? What is the purpose? Nature affirms this design. Men should be strong and seek to grow in strength in a variety of ways, but not for vanity's sake. We need to be thinking about this, men. Be strong. Be watchful. Be strong. So what is Paul saying? If it's not for vanity's sake, if it's not for just puffing ourselves up, he's saying exactly what Scripture would affirm and has affirmed. He's most certainly recalling the strength that God called his own people to all throughout history. Like Joshua, as he led Israel, Joshua 1.6, Be strong and courageous, Joshua, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. That's going to take strength, and it's going to take courage, and I've called you to lead them, Joshua. Joshua 1, seven. only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that, the, that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And then again, only two verses later, have I not commanded you? Be strong. This is Joshua 1, verses 6, 7, and 9. Three times, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is your call, brothers, men, fathers, young boys. Set the Lord before your eyes and be strong in his strength so that what frightens you would not paralyze you. Be strong and be very courageous. Listen to these words of a father, King David, to his son Solomon. This is 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. 1 Kings 2, 2 and 3. On his dying day... I'm about to go the way of all the earth, Solomon. Be strong. Show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies. Does that sound so familiar? Show yourself a man. Be watchful, Solomon. Act like a man. If you don't feel like it, seek the God who made you and do not depart from his ways. When you don't feel like being a man, seek the God who made you. Be watchful. Don't turn from the left or to the right. Stay in tune to his testimonies, his word, his ways, his commands. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. And finally, and I purposefully left this one last. I did not go in chronological order, but the last thing he says is, stand firm in the faith. And then verse 14, do everything in love. Stand firm in the faith. The reason I left this for last is because I want this to be on your hearts first and foremost. This is the center of it all. This is truly what defines manhood in its ultimate sense. A man who is strong in the Lord, who is watchful, who keeps 
an eye on his own soul, but is standing firm in the faith, is firm in the faith. If you have watchfulness and love and strength, but you don't have Jesus Christ, then you have nothing of eternal value. It ultimately means you would have nothing at all. Men of God who trust in Christ, the God-man, have learned that down is actually up and up is actually down. You succeed in strength through humility. When you seek to keep your life in your own hands, you actually lose it. That's the gospel. That's what Scripture teaches. When you try to rise to the top in your own strength, you plummet in everything that truly matters. So what is most important is to keep the faith, to stand firm in the faith. You cannot listen to your heart on any of these matters. Part of being a man and even just a Christian is to be like Christ, who denied himself and embraced the hard and sacrificial road that led up to the cross where he died for sinners. That is the example for all believers. Lay your life down. Deny yourself. Embrace the hard and sacrificial road. The reason that you brothers can stand in the faith is because Jesus is standing firm on the covenant that he made with you in his blood. He is standing firm. So this is not a call for you to just man up and do it in your own strength, but to look to Christ, to look to God, your maker. He is upholding you by his grace. Would you not agree with that? Men and fathers, he's upholding you this very day by his grace. What you have, what you need, what you long for in your family, in your children, in your work, it needs to be sought out in the grace of God, not in your own strength. He remains faithful even when we are faithless. So we look to him. Thinking about manhood can drum up all kinds of masculine thoughts of, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change, right? You can think about the things and the sins and the, and the idols in your life, which you should be thinking about. What are the things right now that are in my way, that are in the way of me living my life purely for Jesus Christ? And you may be thinking, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to do these things. And that's all good. That's all good stuff. But the most important thing a man can do every single day is repent from sin and love and follow Jesus. Every single day. The most important thing that you can do as a man is repent of sin and love and follow Jesus. Repent and follow Jesus. Repent and follow Jesus. Do it over and over and over again. Because he is faithful, because he is gracious, because his covenant is in his blood and he sacrificed himself for you. And he is your creator. And he made you. John Wesley said, Give me a hundred men who hate nothing but sin and love God with all their hearts and I will shake the world for Christ. Give me one hundred men who hate nothing but sin and love God with all their hearts and I will shake the world for Christ. That was John Wesley's cry for his culture, for his time and his season. I say the same thing for today. And let that be your charge, brothers men, fathers, boys, to act like men, to be men that God has created you to be. I set no standard for you, but what the Bible has said. So seek the God of Scripture. You're going to need to reject a lot of what the world has taught. 
We are an indoctrinated people, and Satan is also a liar. And we need teachers and preachers and gospel-wielding men and women, an entire church who's willing to say, this is right, we're going to do this. We're going to stand on God's word. We're going to be convicted by God's word. And we're going to hold to these things. So who's ready to shake the world for Christ? Who's ready? That's a, really, that's a very real and honest question I'm asking you. Are you ready to be that person who does nothing but hate sin and love God? You hate your sin, and you know why you hate your sin, because it separated you from God. But Jesus is the answer. He died for you. He paid for your sins. He came and he rescued you from your sin. And he gives you eternal life and righteousness. And it's yours through faith in Jesus. If you trust in him, you put your faith in Christ. So if you're a man here today and and you're not in Christ, that's your next step. That is your next step. That is the most important thing that could ever happen is to be called out of darkness into light, is to repent of sin and follow Jesus because he's convicting your heart and you know he's made you, he's created you, you're, you are his. But the only way to have fellowship with God is through Jesus. So are you ready to shake the world for Christ? Is the spirit convicting you of sin today? Sin as a father, as a, as a brother, as a son, as a, as a boy. Sins of apathy, sins of laziness, sins of idolatry and sexual sin. Whatever that might be, I'm, call, I'm saying all of it. Men, we need to think about these things. Are you ready to hate your sin and love God with all your heart and stop making excuses? And that's for me and for all of us here. No more excuses. I'm going to ask now something that I want you to take very seriously. I'm going to ask that every male in this room, every male in this room. Men, this is for you. This, I'm asking you to respond to a charge. I'm asking, is there conviction in your heart about this very phrase? Act like a man. Be a man after God's heart. Be like Christ. Every male in this room who wants this today and doesn't want it to fade away tomorrow morning. I'm not asking for men to say, well, I'm going to stand up today, but tomorrow morning it's going to be different. I'm going to go right back into my routine of ignoring God, of rejecting, of not pursuing him with all my heart. This is a call to, I understand it's a great massive calling, but with Christ, with the Spirit of God, all things are possible. So if that's you, I am asking you, man, boy, male, to stand right where you are so that your church, your family, your wives, your kids may see you stand. Now, only do it if it's your conviction to do so. Maybe you're a man who's walking in this right now, and so you're saying, I I know I need this, but by God's mercy, he's helping me. So men, listen. See, men can cry. <laughs> listen, take this charge seriously. If we're going to act like men, it's not going to look like the world says it's going to look. It's going to look like Scripture. And look at around you. I want you to look at all the men around you. You can take a glance. We need each other. You need this church. You need the church, the body of Christ to walk with you, to hold you up. But you ultimately, brothers, you have the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of God in you. 
So tomorrow morning as you wake up, this doesn't have to fade. This can be the rest of your life. Repenting of sin. Hating your sin. Loving God with all your heart. Leading your families towards Jesus Christ. Amen, brothers? I want the rest of you wives, children, the rest of the church, uh, the men who are around you, find them. Lay your hands on them. We're going to pray for a move of God on the men in this church and the men in our community. So everybody, if you, need, if you feel comfortable, and I hope most of you do, find a, a shoulder to put your hand on. If you're just a bunch of brothers clumped together and you're all standing, then just clump together then. I don't care what it takes. But we're going to pray together. We're going to ask God to do a move and a work on the men in this church. Let's pray. Oh, Father, and cry out with me, brothers. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ into this world, the God-man, the epitome of what manhood looks like. Meek, humble, lowly Jesus, who had the strength of the universe, the power of God, yet he laid it aside for a season, for a time, that he might die. He would lay his life down for his bride, for his church, So, Lord, I pray that we as men in this church would be those who lay our lives down to live sacrificially, to live humility, to live as those who are willing to die for Christ. I pray that you'd call us to this watchfulness. And God, if we've not been watchful, but our eyes have been closed, maybe our eyes have been opened to the the wrong things, things that have been killing us and have been tearing our souls apart, May we be now open and our eyes watchful of the spiritual things around us, our our family, our children, our church. Where are you moving, God? Where are you at work? And Lord, may we as men go to those places. When we think about our work and our community and what makes our identity, may it not be in our jobs and in our possessions. May it be be in how closely we follow Jesus Christ how we walk with him daily, how we are in his word. Lord, may we be strong men, not just physically, but Lord, spiritually, that we would have the strength and the armor of God about us and that we would daily be putting on the armor of God, that we may withstand in the day of evil. Lord, I pray that those men in this room that are deeply struggling with sin and it grips them, some idol, some thing that they are pursuing, something that holds them fast, God, may you hold us. And may we repent and turn today of all of that idolatry and all the sin that trips us. And may we run the race and pursue Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I pray that we would stand firm in the faith. God, let these men that are standing today be men of doctrine, men who care about the truth of the Bible, men who will carry the truth of Scripture no matter what culture says or what others say about them. God, may we carry the word of God into our workplaces, in our minds, Lord. Be willing to share and speak forth your word to a lost and dying world. God, make us men who care about the truth and preach the truth. But may it happen in our families. May we be truth tellers to our kids. May we have the resilience to stand against whatever opposes biblical values. Give us the patience to endure. I pray for the wives that are surrounding these men as well. Lord, may these wives be godly women who love and help their husbands as they seek to follow Christ, as you've called women to be helpers, 
And oh, Holy Spirit, you are a helper as well. And so that does not sound like a lesser statement to me. Lord, I pray that you strengthen marriages, heal wounds that are deep. God, may men lead their families to church, to fellowship. Oh God, we pray for a pouring out of your spirit. Bring us as men to seriousness and sober-mindedness. We love you. We thank you that it's all possible because of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our King. You are King and you are Lord. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more messages from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next week.